this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. 1 John 2 is where we're going to begin. We've been talking, this is our fourth week, about freedom. That each one of us have certain things in our life, whether it's bondage or whatever, that we need to get set free from. And God wants us to be delivered, but also discipled. Now, when you think about the things of God, He wants every one of us in this room to have fruit. But He's very clear that when we're not doing certain things that He wants us to do, He's going to cut away some things. And He says that if you do bear fruit, that He's going to prune you back so that you can bear more fruit. So God's always cutting on us, and that's a good thing. So I like to say it this way. You're pruned if you do, and you're pruned if you don't. But God loves you, and He wants to help you. And so this morning, that's where we're going to head, just so you can begin to see some things biblically. 1 John chapter number 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Now, when he talks about the world, he's, he's talking about the evil that operates in our world under the dominion of the devil. So he said, don't love the world or the things of the world. Don't be dominated by them. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world. Now I want us to get a hold of this because what he's fixing to list, these three things I believe are the doorways to every sin and bondage in our life. Every one of us. And so the first one that he says, for all that is in the world, is the lust of the flesh. The lust of the physical. And it would look differently for every one of us, but there's things in our life that we literally desire that brings bondage to us. Where it's too much of it. The second thing is the lust of the eyes. The very things that I see with my physical eyes, and I latch on them and I say, you know what, i got to have them. And the last one that he mentions is the pride of life. And when we deal with pride, most of the times it comes by our earthly achievements, our titles, our resources. And if we're not real careful, we look at those things being the stability of our lives. This is what's going to make me. I don't need God. I can do it on my own. Once again, don't kid yourself. And he ends this way and he says, is not of the Father, but is of this world. And so when you begin to see those things, understand this, that these three, the lust of the flesh, the, uh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, they've been around a long time, a real long time. And their goal, all three of them, is to literally consume you with the things of this world so it squeezes out all the things of God. Where I get so caught up about the lust of my flesh, the lust of my eyes, and the pride of life, that it literally dominates me. And so I'm going to look for the, the, the world's values or God's values. Now let's go all the way back to the start of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3. And as you're turning there, understand this, that God does not curse people. People curse themselves. God gives us opportunities to obey, and when we obey, it's a good thing. When we disobey, it's not. Now, the lust of the eyes, I believe biblically, biblically, you'll see right here, this was the first door that mankind opened up. If we start here in Genesis 3, begin with me in verse 1. 
Now, the serpent was more cunning, and the serpent's talking about the devil. The devil was more cunning or crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So the devil immediately tries to get Eve to doubt what Father God said. And he tries to get every one of us to doubt what Father God said. It's very important that we, number one, know the Word of God, but number two, we obey the Word of God. And so he casts doubt on, on, on the Word right there, and it's as if he was saying he really didn't mean that. Verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Now what he does right here, he directly contradicts what Father God said. I'm going I'm to show you what Father God said in Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17. Listen to this. It said, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat it, for in the day you eat it, you shall surely die. And the devil says, you won't surely die. He was just kidding. And he gets us to where we want to believe that the things that God say may not be relevant for me to this day. It's kind of like this, even in the area of tithing, the, the devil will begin to contradict that and tell us, you know, you don't have to do that and it's okay. It'll be all right. And when he talked about here, you'll surely die, he wasn't talking about a physical death. He was talking about a separation from God. So he begins to tempt her with these thoughts. Now understand clearly here that temptation isn't a sin. It only becomes a sin when I act on that temptation. In other words, look at it this way. You can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you sure can keep them from nesting in your hair. What do you mean? Well, temptations are going to come. But I don't have to let them alight on me. I don't let them have to get a hold of me. So he begins the tempter. In verse 5 it says, For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eye will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw. So I believe the very first sin is right here. So when the woman saw that the the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes. So you begin to see the lust of the eyes right there. It was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So what the devil does here with this one tree, he makes her think that he uses the word pleasant there. He makes her think that this tree was the only tree that was pleasant. That there were no other trees and as if God was withholding this one tree. But in Genesis chapter 2 verse 9 it says this. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Every tree was pleasant. Now the word we just read in Genesis 3 that it was pleasant to the eyes. The Greek says that it was a form of greed. It was form of lust. It was a form of desire. In other words, 
I have all this stuff that God's given me, but I still want that one thing. Just that one thing. And it's here that the devil begins to portray Father God as a God who, yeah, he's given you everything, but he's still withholding that one thing. And so it's if he's saying, God is stingy. God's selfish. He doesn't want you to have that. And so here's how the devil begins to work. He shifts our focus on all the blessings we have, and he tries to get us focused on the forbidden. The things that God says, do not mess with that. And if you go back and look, God said, of everything I have, you can have it, but don't mess with that one thing. And so we know the story that they did mess with it, and it caused huge problems in their life. Huge problems. And so when you begin to see what happens here, Adam and Eve, they took what wasn't theirs. And when I take what was God's, it becomes a curse. Do you know what God does? According to Deuteronomy chapter 8, God puts every one of us in test. You know what He wants to test us? He wants to test you to bless you. He wants to say, listen, if you'll do what I ask you to do, I'll bless you. Now, if we were to study the tithe, which we're going to get on to it today, the word tithe itself means 10 or 10%. The number uh, 10 in the Bible always represented a test. How's that? Well, if you go back and look, how many plagues came after the Pharaoh? 10. How many commandments are there? 10. All a test. If you go to Matthew 25, there were 10 virgins. So 10 represents the test. How many months are there in a year? 12. You missed that one. There's not 10. Just seeing if you were paying attention. So right here, we begin to see some things that even will happen in our life. And there's a thing that happens every time payday comes. Every time you get a check, it's a test. And you know what the test is? Will you give God what's His? And when I obey that, it's if the, the, the tree of life and good or the tree of death and evil. You're going to get one of the two, but even that is a test. And so this morning, I really want to dig in here. Turn a couple pages, next, next uh, chapter or next book, to Exodus 13. The principle of the first. Now, you got to get a hold of this, and we're going somewhere with it. And I believe because many times we've kept what was God's, we've opened up the door to some things that we really don't want. That's why my door's up here. You're going to see some analogies here in a minute. So, Exodus 13, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate. Now, that word consecrate means to set apart. Set apart to me, Father God, all. Not a little bit, but all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it's mine. So God's saying that first one, it's mine. It's not debatable. It's mine. You know, we have a saying here in Texas, don't mess with Texas. Well, the Bible has a statement here too. Don't mess with what's God's. And when he wrote this, he still means it. So we get the principle of the first right here, the firstborn. 
Turn over a couple pages to Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. The first of the first fruits. Once again, you see the first. Of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Now it's interesting some of the words. There are several, there are several truths in there we've got to get a hold. He said, you will bring it. Did you notice he used the word bring? He didn't say give it. You know why? You can't give what's not yours. It's not yours. Remember, God said that first one's mine. And so he said bring it. And not only did he say bring it, Scripture designates where we're supposed to bring it. Pay close attention. Bring it into the house of the Lord. It didn't say 2%, 3%, 7%. It said bring all of it. Now let's just be biblical, okay? It didn't say to give it to missions. It didn't say to give it to the orphanage. It didn't say to give it to Bible school. It didn't say for me to help the poor. Those are all good things. But if I take what was designated to Father God's and I don't do what he said, bring it into the house of the Lord, there's not a blessing on it. Thank you for those amens. Pastor, you ever taken the tithe and done what you want with it? I did. When I was ignorant. You know, the Bible says that my people perish for lack of knowledge. I like to say it this way, my people perish for just being stupid. And I was stupid at one time in my life. I'll stand before you and say this, and I don't say this with honor at all, for about the first 22 years of my life, I stole. I stole. I robbed God. But I'll never forget, I had an older gentleman who began to literally teach me what the Bible said, and I realized I've got to obey what the Word says here. And it's the same for me and you, that if I'll begin to get a hold of this, it will change everything. Now, to look at this a little deeper, go with me to the book of Genesis, going backwards, Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. So, as you're turning there, Adam and Eve had a test. They flunked it. They flunked the test. But it didn't stop with Adam and Eve. It didn't stop with me and you. But the very next test that we see in the Bible pertaining to humanity came to Adam and Eve's children. Now watch this, starting in Genesis 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again this time a brother, Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord re respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Now a lot of times when we read that we'll think, now why would God do that? Why would God be ugly to one of them and not the other? Well, really to find the truth in this, we've got to dissect verse 3 and 4. Go back to verse 3 here. And in the process of time, hang on to that thought, in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. He brought an offering. If you'll notice in there, there's not one reference of bringing his first. He didn't bring his first. And how it's tipped off, when he said the process of time. So what he's talking about here when the process of time is basically when Cain got around to it. When he felt like it, he brought an offering to the Lord. 
But look real close at verse 4, what happens with Abel. And Abel also brought. You see the word brought there? didn't say he gave. He brought of the firstborn of his flock. So the thing that was different between Abel and Cain was the minute that Abel got a first, you know the very first thing he did? He gave it to God. That's huge for me and you to understand. God's not the God of leftovers. God wants your first. So the thing with me and you, the very first thing we should do when we get paid is you write that check out or you get that money and you get it to the house of God. You get it out of your hands because it's not ours. And so this is why this takes place. But when Cain withholds what was God's, the first fruit, it didn't just affect him monetarily. Look at verse number 6. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, if you do what's right, So you know what God's telling him right here? Cain, if you'll repent for what you've done wrong and make your right wrong, get rid of the wrong, just do what I ask you to do, will you not be accepted? Will you not be well? Will the blessings not be upon you? But if you do not do well, if you don't do what I've asked you, sin lies at the door. Now, this was all pertaining to a man who kept the first fruits. So look at it this way. He said, sin lies at your door. And it looks like this to me, that sin is just watching right here, waiting, eyeballing this. And he says, sin lies at your door, and its desire is for you. Sin's desire is for you. So it's if... Right here, sin sits here and watches and watches and watches and watches and watches. And when you choose to do what's right, even in the area of the first fruit, sin has no way of entering. It can't get in. A curse without a cause can't alight. But when I withhold what Father God asked me to do, even if it's just a little bit, here comes sin. Here it comes. Here it comes. And you know the thing about sin? Sin becomes like an avalanche. And when I sin and sin and sin, ultimately it becomes bondage. I become a slave to those things. Look how he ends verse 7. And it's desires for you, but you should rule over it. So he's telling Cain, listen, buddy, if you'll do what's right, you'll rule over it. But if you do what's wrong, you know what happens? It rules over you. So we study Cain's life just here a little bit. And Cain wouldn't repent, and Cain wouldn't do what was right. So you know what happens? Because the bondage in his life, he kills his brother Abel. And look at verse 11. So now you are cursed from the earth. So we go back to every bit of this. 
How did this start? The guy did not honor him with the first fruits. And because he didn't do it, not only was there a curse, but it put him in incredible bondage. That's the same for every one of us. It wants to rule you. It wants to master you. And so we go back and you see the first sin was the lust of the eyes. But the lust of the eyes was Adam and Eve that kept what wasn't theirs. And then Cain gets the same test. But I begin to think about this. What do you think would have happened if Adam and Eve would have done what was right? They'd have been blessed. What would have happened if Cain would have done what's right? God said it'll be well with it. You'll be blessed. And so what you hear is because of Adam and Eve and Cain's choices, it set the course of their life. See, it's the same with me and you. When I choose to rebel against this, it's going to set the course of my life. Look over just a couple books. Genesis, Exodus, and then Leviticus. The very last chapter of Leviticus, Leviticus 27. I want you to see this. Now listen, listen real close as you're turning to Leviticus 27. I'm not preaching condemnation on you, okay? I just want you to remember our main text was John 8. John 8, 31 through about 36, it says, You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I believe if I'll get a hold of this, some things are going to happen. But understand, if I don't, you, you don't have to honor God with the first fruits. You don't have to do that. But remember, sin lies at the door and waits. Leviticus 27, verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, say all, all. Remember, it's at least 10%. At least. Not three, not seven. And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's, and it is holy to the Lord's. If it's the Lord's, you know what that means? It's not mine. And when I hang on to what's not mine, that's not good. Because he said, it's holy to the Lord. It's set apart to the Lord. Do you know what this tells me? This is a big deal to God. You know what's a big deal to God? He wants to bless you. You pass the test, He wants to bless you. But if it's a big deal to God, it's a big deal to the devil. You know why? The devil knows if he can convince you to keep that first fruit, I got him. I've got him. How has he got us? We've opened the door. We've opened the door. Now, I want to keep going through the Bible a little bit and showing you some things here. Go to your right, and you're going to keep going. You're going to go past Numbers and Deuteronomy. Stop in Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. Now, let me tell you what's going on here. The Israelites are going into the promised land. Remember the land that flows with milk and honey? The blessings. This is the place where they come upon the first city called Jericho. And that's where God tells Joshua, you march around that city and you blow that trumpet. The walls will fall and you're going to take it. When that took place, God gave the Israelites instruction. You know what he said about that first city? He said, that first city, all the gold, the silver, the iron, the precious metal, God said, it's mine. And it's to come into the treasury. It's to come into the house of God. Now, all the cities after that, it's yours. But that first one is mine. Now, we're in Joshua 6. Look at verse 19. But all the silver and the gold and the vessels of bronze and iron, they're consecrated, they're set apart, they're holy to the Lord, and they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. 
There it is, right there. This was God's game plan. This is what he said, I want you to do. So they take the city. Everything seems great. They go to the next city, and it's called Ai. Ai, on paper, it looks like the Israelites will wipe them out. It's not even going to be a test. So they go in to fight the men of Ai, and guess what happens? The men of Ai defeat them. They beat them up. And so Joshua, he's on his knees crying out, saying, Father God, why is this happening? Why is it going on? Why would we lose in this situation? Now, how many times as us as believers, we've been on our face and we say, God, I don't understand. Why is this happening? Why am I being defeated? Why am I getting kicked around? How many of you have ever done that? Probably every one of us in here. Why, God, why? Joshua 7, verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Get up. <laughs> Why do you lie thus on your face? Now listen. Israel has sinned, and when you sin, what does it do? It opens the door to the enemy. They have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have taken some of the cursed things and have stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. Now, there's two words that really jump out to them in that verse. They've stolen and deceived. You know what the word stolen means? You took something that wasn't yours. So it's very clear here, they took what wasn't theirs. Once again, they took what God said is mine. The word deceived says this, that I can do those things, but yet I stand before a holy God who told me not to and say, but it's okay. It's okay. It's not that big of a deal. Woo, that's scary. Now look at what, what transpires in verse 12. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies. Couldn't. You couldn't stand before your enemies. No matter how hard they prayed, no matter what they did, they could not stand before their enemies. So we go back and we ask why. Because they took what was God's. Keep reading. But they turn their backs before their enemy, enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. They've become doomed to destruction. Time out. These were God's chosen people. Whom God said, I'm going to protect you, I'm going to bless you. But the blessings and the protection only come when I do what he asked me to do. And because of just a little thing in a lot of people's eyes, they withheld the first. And God said, okay, doom and destruction are going to come after you. Neither will I be with you anymore. Unless you destroy the cursed things from among you. And in this, this was serious stuff. Man, they found the guy who did this, and you know what they would do to him? They'd kill him. That stoned them. It was such a big deal, they knew. And so you begin to look at all this and you think, this was all because of someone took what wasn't theirs. Now go with me to the last book of the Old Testament, Old Testament Malachi 3. Malachi chapter 3. Ooh, get ready. You're going to have an opportunity to say amen, or you're going to have an opportunity to say oh me. 
This is good, though. This is going to help you. Verse 7. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. Now, the Greek word for ordinances there means ordinary principles. So he just said, you've gone away from my ordinary principles. Now, I didn't read Malachi 3.6. Malachi 3.6 says, God does not change. So if God doesn't change, do you think his ordinary principles change? Probably not then. Not probably, they don't. So he goes on to say here, you've gone away from my ordinary principles and you've not kept them. The invitation, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, in what way shall we return? The very first way we return is I repent. I repent, Lord, man, I've blown it. I see what your word says, and I've blown it. For 22 years of my life, I've blown it. But it doesn't end there. There's more to it than just repenting. And if you'll look in verses 8 and 9, he uses the word rob a bunch. Look real close, verse 8. Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And he said specifically, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all, A-L-L, the tithes into the storehouse. Bring all the 10%, not 3, 5, 7. Bring all the tithe into the church. Why? That there may be resources or food in my house. So why would God say that? Because God's saying here, I'm going to take something in the physical and I'm going to use it to feed you spiritually. And so when he goes on to say this, not only is he wanting to do that, he's wanting to bless you. Now listen real close what he says. That there may be food in my house and try me now in this. This is the only time in the Bible where you'll ever find God say, try me, test me. One of the greatest things you can teach your children is to tithe at a young age. You know why? They'll never question it again in their whole life. One of the greatest men of God that's still alive right now, Jack Hayford, when he was five years old, his daddy taught him the principle of tithing. You know what the principle was? For every dime, a penny, and that's God's. And he said, my whole life, I've done it. So listen what God is wanting to do for us. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. And, here's an extra bonus, and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive. And, if you call right now, we'll give you double. No. Listen to this last and, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. The fruit of your ground can mean your, 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 your finances and your children. I love that. But that only happens when I obey it. If I keep stealing what is God's, then there is a self-imposed curse and I go back and I look at all the junk that happened with Cain. It wasn't just monetarily, 
but he was in bondage. And I look and I think, how many of us in this room are in some form of bondage today because I've taken what was God's? Now, this will help you. Man, I tell you, the Lord, he, whoo, he stirred me up when I saw this. The reason he uses the word rob like he did instead of the word theft. For me to rob someone, that means they have to be present. For me to get over in the area of theft, that doesn't mean they have to be there. So for me to rob Eddie means that I go into Eddie's house while Eddie's there. And I've robbed him because he's present. But for me just to thieve something, I can go in their house and he's not there. And so when I looked at this and God said, you've robbed me, you know what he's telling us? We've come into his house while he's there and we've robbed him. It's not a real good picture, but I'm going to show it to you. We've taken what was Father God's. And Father God says this, listen, I want to bless you, but I can't. And because of that, I looked over and over because of the, the sin with Adam and Eve, the sin with Cain, the sin with the Israelites, every one of them took what wasn't theirs. But yet we have in the back of our mind, even with the devil, that he'll convince us that I don't have to do that to this day. But yet I go back and God said, what about my ordinary principles? Are you just going to go away from them? Something happens when I begin to honor God. And I know there's ones of you in this room, you've honored God for years. And I love the picture that, that Anthony gave us. Is tithing like jumping off the cliff? Yeah. You'll think this is crazy. But yet God's saying, go ahead and jump. I'm going to catch you, test me. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.